Bigfoot Collectors Club. Big Harry Summer. And welcome back to Bigfoot Collectors Club, the show where we talk to amazing guests about their personal paranormal history and share stories of high strangeness. I'm your host, Michael McMillan. With me always is your other host, Bryce Johnson. And our super producer, Riley Bray. All right, guys, no time for chit-chat, okay? Mm-hmm. We got to get straight down to business. Big Harry Summer is here all summer long. We are uh, we're over here on the regular show, and on BCC, the other side, we will be looking at stories of high strangeness involving big, hairy monsters, furry cryptids, and of course, Bigfoot herself. And summer is just heating up. We have a couple of live shows coming up that we are very excited to share with you. The first is a live stream show, which means that you don't need anything except a screen and an internet connection to watch. We will be doing our summer clubhouse live stream on popsylounge.com on Saturday, June 24th at 9 p.m. Eastern. Head over to popsylounge.com for tickets, and if you want to chat with Bryce, Riley, or me after the show, grab an additional VIP pass with your ticket. Again, you don't need an app. Or anything to watch it, just a screen and an internet connection. So I guess you do need that to watch it. But you know what I mean. You don't have to like subscribe to anything. You don't have to download anything. It's just we'll we'll just be on the internet for you uh, if you get a ticket. Then this is very exciting news. The weekend of July seventh through ninth, we will be in Austin, Texas for RTX, a gaming podcast comedy and animation festival access to our live show will be included with your convention pass and we're told that ultra and platinum badges will get you the highest perks in addition uh to bcc we know that there will be uh, a bat squatch related escape room happening that weekend which we have Um, nothing to do with but uh definitely we're gonna be checking that out so uh that's perfect for Big Harry Summer. So get passes for that at rtxaustin.com. Um, and as of this recording, we're not sure when in the weekend we're going to be on. But if you get a ticket, you'll be able to see us. And yeah. we'll keep you guys Mo- moving up the cryptid pyramid, Bat Squatch, huh? Yeah. Well, hey, man, wow, I've been a champion of Bat Squatch. Yeah, Making for, those I moves. <laughs> I feel like Bat Squatch's escape room is just him punching through a wall. That's all, all it is. <laughs> That's how he gets out of it. Um, so uh, also, guys, just uh, to, and, uh, to stay... Uh, what I want to say up to date with everything that we're doing with these live shows, be sure to follow us over on Instagram at Bigfoot Collectors Club. A lot of you guys mentioned last time that you missed some of these announcements. Just be sure you're following us there because we will definitely post information over there. All right, let's get into uh, let's bring in this week's guest. He's an old friend at this point. We have him on every summer to discuss our annual theme. And this year we're talking about Big Hairy Monsters. From What's Up Weirdo Podcast, please welcome back to the clubhouse author and paranormal investigator, John E.L. Tenney. Woo! Hey, gang. I like hey. being the old friend because I always refer to myself as an old man. 
<laughs> That's our old friend. Hell you're an old yeah. soul. Up, I'd say you're an old soul for sure. Something's I, I, you hit a certain age and the wheels just start to come off. Like you can't stop it. <laughs> where where would you put that? Like where yeah, where's the uh, where's the turning I think, point? I think forty eight. Forty eight. Okay. okay. Right. I got. I, I, I might push that number forward a little bit. Say, <laughs> I think my wheels fell off last week, so uh. I'm definitely embracing like the the mid 40s. Like I don't fucking care. I'm just gonna go to bed at nine o'clock. I don't give a shit anymore. I I don't care about going out anymore. Like the thrill of waking up and like not having a, the 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 slightest hint of a hangover or having gone out the night before is truly now one of life's most precious gifts like i'm just like getting up going to bed early and getting up early is like my new way to party i think yeah. that as like because i grew up as a punk rock kid right in the 80s mm-hmm. and it's really interesting to me that now that i'm in my 50s I've actually become the punk rock ideology that I was thinking about when I was 16. Like, I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Like when I was 15, I said I didn't care, but I cared. Now I'm I'm almost 52 and I don't care. Yeah. Final form. Yeah. Yeah. True punk. (laughs) It is really nice. I will say that's the one nice thing about aging is like, I just don't give a fuck anymore. I don't, I do not care. If this is it, great. You know what I mean? That's kind of how I had that thought the other day. Yeah, this is it. Great. I'm fine. I'm halfway to retirement. Who cares? So before before I go into uh big hairy creatures for the summer, can I start? Mm-hmm. I'm gonna I wanna go uh in a timeline. I wanna start with small hairy creatures and yes. work my way up to bigger Please hairy do. creatures. Love great, it. Great. Love that. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Whatever the, you got. The one, yeah, the one that I'll start with is in 1952 in Michigan. Oh, boy. Uh, I talk oh, about this because it's my fav- favorite case, and no one talks about it. It's called the What's It. And oh, it was in, this rings a bell. Yeah, I t- probably talked about it before. It was in Huntington Woods, Michigan in the 1950s. And all throughout Huntington Woods is uh, about 10 miles north of Detroit. And all through the area... For like three weeks, people saw a two to three foot creature with a super long snaky tail. Whoa. Giant round ears that ran on its hind legs and it would run through the neighborhood and like people would see it in their backyards and it would hop over fences like like six to seven foot tall privacy fences. That it would sounds hop a little over fences. OG Chupacabra-ish a little bit, because they would say they'd see that hop in big fences, too. Yeah, but I mean, it was just a, this huge leaping creature, and so the surrounding communities, the police force got involved with trying to catch it, because people were seeing it so often, and eventually, they caught it. <gasps> oh. <laughs> okay. See, you didn't expect the story to actually turn no. into no. a catch. The they police, rarely do. The Ferndale That's not how police, these shows which, really work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right, right? I don't know how to continue. Well, what do we do with this? <laughs> so the Ferndale police, which is about nine miles north of Detroit, uh, a police officer caught this thing in the middle of the night. Someone saw it in their backyard. He caught it. He got it into a large animal cage. He didn't know what it was. Uh, they took it to the police station that night. No one at the police station knew what it was. They de- it was described as a giant chinchilla. What? Mm. What? And so 
chinchillas don't jump. I mean, they're, they? they're, they're not two to three feet tall, I don't no. think. No, no, not at all. No, no. Right? They're like cute little like tribbles. Yeah. Little Are you sure it just wasn't a cat? <laughs> so what happened is um, at 11 mile, so Detroit is broken up in mile roads. That's why I keep like for people in this area, how far Listen, away from Detroit you are. We mm-hmm. grew up in the 90s. We know about these miles. We all saw eight mile. We get There you it, go. Okay? Eight, there you go. M&M's eight miles. Perfect example. So on 11 mile... Uh, or 10 mile actually is the Detroit zoo, which is right near Ferndale, Michigan. The Ferndale police have this creature. So they're like, okay, when the morning comes, we're going to take this creature over to the Detroit zoo. They're going to tell us what it is. So they take it over in the morning, the Detroit zoo, uh, the zoologist at the time in the newspaper says, I don't know what it is right now, but we're going to look into it. And then mm. that's the last news article. No one ever talks about it ever again. What? You're oh, kidding. Okay. It, what? Yeah. This is all too strange, man. What the fuck? Hey, did anyone follow up? Like any of these reporters say, hey, what what, what was that? Nope. No follow-up stories. It's reported as being at the Detroit Zoo. They're going to look into it and see what it is. And then it's never mentioned in the newspapers ever again. Wild. Weird. <laughs> so when I stumble across the story in the probably late 80s, early 90s, I live in Royal Oak, which is where the Detroit Zoo is. So I'm like, I'm going to go to the Detroit Zoo and find out what happened to the, what's it, the thing that Amazing. they caught. Hell yeah. So I go there. Of course, nobody from the 50s still works there, but they remember <laughs> the people that worked there. So I talked to a guy who had worked there and he said he had never heard about it. I asked them, I filed a Freedom of Information Act request with the Detroit Zoo. Amazing. No documentation. No one remembers. Dropping a FOIA. I do. I love writing. I love writing paperwork and getting free stuff, free weird (laughs) stuff. But it it's it just it vanishes. It's gone. Like there's no paperwork. There's no record of it. I even went to the Ferndale Police Force and FOIA'd them because there's got to be a police report about it somewhere. No, no police report about it. Nothing. Tried to contact the officer because he, the officer who caught it, because he was named in the newspaper articles. I found his family. He had never talked about it. Like no one, like it just collectively just disappears from everybody's memory. It's like out of a Twilight Zone episode. It's so strange. I mean, uh, I mean, if you could conjecture, what what do you think happened? Do you think somebody came in and got caught wind of this creature, or and, and kind of hushed people up about it, or? Was it just like some strange night out of out of uh, weird Detroit? I mean, if I have to think about it in like the most logical, non-paranormal, supernatural sense, yeah, there was something running around the Metro Detroit area that was sick and or rabid, right? Mm. And it was fun reporting on it when nobody knew what it was, but then when they found out, like, oh, this thing. Like could be causing illness. This thing like was was a danger to people, and we've been right. laughing about it for the past you know three weeks. Right. Yeah. That, that time tracks. to kill that story. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> but but why wouldn't anyone know what it was? Yeah, I mean that's what freaks me out, and the the description of it is so strange because like multiple people saw it over the course of weeks and all described it like two to three feet tall with a long snake like tail and these big round ears yeah uh, jumping high over and that doesn't sound like any kind of anything. i mean nothing anything. at all 
No. Unless it was kind some kind of like sick, like what are those, like Savannah cats? Savannah cat. All right, I got to Google Savannah cat now. Yeah, but yeah. Even so still. they're like there's these these cats that people will sometimes keep as pets, and they're giant, like Savannah cats. Okay, uh, yeah, yeah. They kind of look like ocelots or something. Is that yeah, what yeah? I'm thinking. But the Very fact that no one at the, no, at the zoo should have known what it was. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. A zoologist would have been able to, like, take one look at it and lay claim to whatever type of species it was. Rabies or not, or even uh, any type of, uh, uh, you know, change in form or anything, it, it all sounds very strange to me. You know, it's not unprecedented that that uh, in cases where, where creatures do get caught. I'm reminded of the Virginia UFO case where uh, two patrol officers, two uh, police officers did manage to capture – that alien that was crossing the road. Only we we kind of uh, do know what happened uh, after that. But this one, it seems that the, every, everything just sort of falls off the map, and everybody goes quiet about it. It's very strange. Yeah, I don't know because the logic <clears throat> is even if it was a rabbit animal, they could just be like, "Oh, it was just a cat, no big deal," or whatever, and move on. You know what I mean? Like nothing to see here. Right. So it seems more suspect if you like don't even name the animal. You don't right. name the animal, and again, like I keep pointing out, like this was something that was reported on over and over for weeks. So, like at the time, there, are, like my dad still to this day is one of those guys who like reads the daily newspaper from cover to cover yeah. and knows all the local stories that are going on. Like back uh-huh. then, there had to have been a lot of people in the fifties, like what the hell happened to that thing that we've been chasing for right. three weeks, right? right. Did they ever round up? Was it? Did it ever get so bad that like a monster posse formed? Because usually in these small town monster, I mean Detroit's not a small town, but you know usually these monster posses form. The the police chased it. Like in the news articles, it says you know the police are on watch, the police are keeping guard in the neighborhoods, that type of thing. So the police were looking for this thing. That's a good also punk very, band name, Detroit Monster Posse. Yeah, there you go. I'm it's in. also uh, it's also very they similar. They open for ICP. <laughs> <laughs> it's also very similar to a story we just did over on the other side about the Brass Knocker Hill monster in England, which was supposed to, which is near Bath in the late seventies and mid eighties. A four foot tall baboon-like creature was seen running around that no one ever identified. And at times they said it was like a polecat, which we learned was uh, sort of like a ferret. I didn't know that. And then um, and then uh, at other times, like one of the police officers was like, oh, it was a chimpanzee. I saw a chimpanzee out there. But it just kind of, you know, kind of just evaporated. The story evaporated. Yeah. Yeah. The only other thing, aside from like a sick or rabid animal, is... Like when I, when I realized there were no notes or like files at the Detroit zoo and like no way to track that back. Like I thought to myself, maybe the zoo let something dangerous out that they like, maybe it didn't look like people were describing. They were just, you know, Mm -hmm. seeing something weird at night. Right. Right. But if one of our chimps or one of the gorillas got loose or something like that would be a big no, no. You hear, well, also you hear (laughs) about that stuff. You know, you do hear about that stuff. I'm I'm curious. This this makes me wonder, and this is something that I've thought about, and I, I want to hear, I want to get into some other cases, but I just want your opinion on this, John. When we go back and we read, uh, like I have it right here, books like uh, Strange Creatures from Time and Space by John Keel, classic 
you know, a uh, book of high strangeness. It feels like 50s, 60s into like mid 70s, probably, uh, you know, the, the apexing with um, the Mothman case. It just really seems, and I don't know if this is John Keel, uh, who gave us, as far as I know, the term big hairy monster coined that phrase to just sort of, you know, put everything under our umbrella term. But it seems like there was this rampant wave of small town monsters or local monsters like this, where everyone seemed to have a creature that was running on the loose. And it, I feel like somewhere maybe in the early eighties, even though we have, we do have these outlier cases like the beast of Bray road well into the late eighties and early nineties. Have these story, was there just like something happening during that time period or do these still stories still happen, but they just aren't as widely uh, publicized or talked about? I think I, I think the biggest difficulty was I think that there have probably always been weird creatures running around all over the place that people have seen. Mm-hmm. But really with the the kind of acceptance of modern technology, when all of a sudden there were multiple television channels and multiple newspapers and stuff in the let's say the sixties, right? Like, I think that's where you start to get into people hoaxing stuff because it's a way to get in the paper, right? Mm -hmm. Like, in Michigan, we had this case of this blue alien that people were seeing running along the roads. And that went on for, like, six or seven years. And then, you know, 20 years later, a couple guys show up with the suit that they were wearing when they were in high school and, like, explained the whole blue alien, that they were the blue alien that everybody was seeing, Uh, right? okay. So, I think that at least in my research, because I've, you guys know, I've talked about like the formanauts and the weird, like things that people see around here. I, I still yes. think people see them. I think that now though. Okay. I'm going to get into something a little bit deeper at the same yeah. time and stay oh, on, staying, on, staying on track, but being yeah, a little yeah, deeper. Yeah, yeah. Right? yeah. Let's go. So like I talk about the weird stuff that I've seen and aliens and weird investigations I've done and ghosts and stuff. But when you, have had an experience that is truly paradigm shifting. You become changed. Mm -hmm. I will talk about my death experience in a very kind of quick cavalier way, but I don't like to discuss it because it has altered my way of being thinking in this reality. Mm-hmm. When I watch television and I see people who are like, oh, I see Bigfoot all the time. Oh, I see ghosts all the time. Like, I know you saw something and you think you saw something. But when you for sure 100% absolutely know that you have seen this thing, that it is a real thing, it borders the edges of insanity. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> and people don't discuss it. When it really is that real, because what ends up happening is, I mean, look at, it was acceptable for a long time, pre-psychology, pre-psychiatry, right? Like people talked to angels, people talked to denizens from the sky and God and St. Michael. That was a very common thing, right? Sure. Yeah, totally. Psychology and psychiatry comes along in the mid 1900, early 1900s. And now everyone is crazy for having an experience like that. And so people just naturally, okay, I'm not going to talk about it. 
I'm not going to be that real about it. I'll write my books about all my weird stuff that I have, but I'm not going to get too deep about it. When I hear people who have talked to aliens and I'm just trying to be honest here. I'm being, I, you guys know, I don't have any secrets. Yeah. When I talk to some, when I talk to someone who tells me that they talk and when they talk about it very openly, when they talk to aliens every single day or every week, or they have continual uh, experiences with extraterrestrials, it's not that I don't believe them, but there is a part of me that's conditioned to be like, Oh, this person has an issue. Right. Mm -hmm. Sure. I mean, we struggle with that. On the show, we'll hit certain stories of high strangeness where we're like, okay, you know, as open as we are and as much as we love these stories, there are times we come across cases where I'm like, I think this person was dealing with something maybe a little bit more uh, in the category of a mental health crisis. You know what I mean? Right. So you don't, you don't know. And that's the thing is you're, especially when you're dealing with things to push you know, reality. Last time you were on the show, we talked about, or one of the last times we talked about the, the, the silhouette of the alien gray. I saw it in my window. And if my dogs had not reacted to the, to it, I would have thought I was hallucinating. Uh, you know, if, if I had in, in high school, if I hadn't seen the ghostly image of a little girl staring at me out of the window at Traverse or Interlock in Michigan, if my friend hadn't seen it standing next to me and said, do you see her pigtails? I would have thought my my mind is playing tricks on me. So especially if you're going through these things alone, you know what I mean? It's it's hard to tell what's what's real yeah, and what's but I not. Think, I think as researchers too, like, because I always tell people, you know, like the paranormal and supernatural, the occult world, like it's very good at um, strengthening our bullshit detection, right? But mm-hmm. the thing is, is like you have a ufo experience you have a gray experience michael that you know that you had right but there's a part of your mentality of your psychology that keeps it unreal to you yeah 100 100 percent. still question it and go i don't know what it was it looked like that but i can't fu- i absolutely cannot fully accept it and when right. i saw the ghost i was i remember going having Gone from, oh, that'd be so cool to see a ghost to, I wish I hadn't fucking seen a ghost. Because what <laughs> kind of world do we live in where a, a, a little girl dies and stays where she died? Like, it made me go, well, th- maybe there's no God. Maybe there's no this. Maybe there's no afterlife. Maybe we're just trapped here forever. And that shit fucked, fucked me up for a little while. Well, I think it's I think it's healthy that and people do that to try and keep one foot in the sane world and one foot into their experience just because they don't want to be uh, labeled crazy. You know, a, a couple of the witnesses I I spoke to on on Expedition Bigfoot and 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 they hit some of those markers that you were talking about, John. One was that they were just getting so old that they didn't give a fuck anymore. Two. They had never even told uh, some like, their close family members, and they're they're sort of reliving this this trauma is really what it is. It's a paradigm shifting encounter that 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 sort of acts as this traumatic experience. That it's it's like a pre encounter and a post encounter, and that that's a marker in their life. And 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 there's it's rare that you find those type of witnesses where you like. When they're when they're regaling their encounter with you, you you feel it from the inside. Like there's something visceral about this person's experience that altered the way they view reality. Yeah, for sure. And I think so. I think all of this ties into the fact that like these things still happen, but like to have a confluence of 
a certain amount of mental fortitude, a certain amount of grounding in reality, a, also a certain amount of knowing that if you say something to someone and it gets out, like, how's that going to affect your job? Like yeah. 50 years ago, 60 years ago, things were, you didn't have as many newspapers. You didn't have everybody knowing what was going on and being able to question you. You didn't ha- you can go on Twitter and all of a sudden 30 million people are questioning you all at once. Like that does some psychic damage too, to you. Like as soon as you say, oh, mm-hmm. I saw something and now a million people are going to question your experience at the same time. So I still think it happens. I just think it's so much murkier. And to your point, Bryce, like I, I wrote a book. I went out, this is maybe 11 years ago. I went out and interviewed 15 contactees who channel aliens, right? The only thing that they really had in common was after I was done interviewing them because they signed non-disclosure agreements with me and I was going to change their names. Every single one of them said, I would appreciate if you wouldn't publish this until after I died though. Mm. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. Wow. Yeah. The, the, you know, something else that came up for me there, uh, talking about the ghost thing that, that hit a, uh, a larger note of like, it's also this idea of the religious paradox that it has for people. And I know that's happened, Bryce, with people you've interviewed on Expedition Bigfoot just from watching the show. This idea of, and we talked about it in Ryan Sprague's episode recently about UFOs and the military. Some of the top brass in military don't want to investigate this stuff because they think it's demonic. You know, this idea that... Right. Bigfoot might be some type of devil or demon, you know, that alien greys are some type of demon. So there's also on the other side of the spectrum of psychology, there's people that are scared of these stories because of the of the spiritual ramifications that they they might have for them or their belief system. Yeah, yeah, you're dealing sure. with people's religiosity, absolutely, which is ingrained in everybody, whether whether we like it or not, you know. Yeah. I mean, the, the idea, it's always really crazy to me when I, not crazy to me, but it's always really interesting to me when I start to discuss that aspect of paranormal phenomena, which are people who are in elected positions of power that are making decisions based on something, which to me is supernatural and paranormal. Right. Yeah. 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 It's like, we can't do that because I don't believe in your ghosts. My ghost yeah. is telling me that your ghosts aren't real. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. Why spoiler Christmas spoilers? Why is Santa not real, Mom? But um, the Holy Ghost is real. I don't. I don't and you get. Why it. We're like, all so screwed up, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Tenny. Moving up from smaller to larger, what are some of the more like we've all we've talked about Michigan Dogman on the show, but what are some of the more? I think also last time you were on last summer, we talked about a Bigfoot like creature that was lurking around an old uh, penitentiary or, or penitentiary or asylum out in a pl- area that you were in, or that you were. No, I think we probably talked about 1965. We probably talked about Atomic Bigfoot which was the know. Bigfoot that was over by the uh, atomic power plant in Monroe, Michigan. Okay. That's yeah. That, that sounds that's, that does. Ring yeah. That's the one that reached in the car, grabbed a girl, punched her in the face, tried to pull her out of the car. Wait a minute. I don't know if we talked about this. I don't remember no? that. Okay. Yeah. So no. let's rewind. Let's talk about atomic Bigfoot. <laughs> also atomic Bigfoot. What a yeah. phrase. I mean, atomic I've been Bigfoot. Trying to, listen, yes. I've been trying to turn that into a comic book. 
for oh. like 20 years atomic bigfoot <laughs> atomic bigfoot is opening for that uh other punk band that we uh, bryce i can't remember <laughs> oh, uh, detroit monster posse yes, yes yeah. exactly yeah that's a good night right there let's talk about atomic bigfoot <laughs> All right, so 1965, uh, Christine Van Acker, who I think is 17 at the time, and her mom are driving home from uh, just a girl's night. Uh, they're going down a dirt road. They come to a stop sign. A giant hairy creature bounds out of the forest. Her window is down. It reaches in. When it reaches in to grab her, it punches her. Kind of punches her in the face with its hand. It grabs Jeez. her hair and tries to pull her out the dri- out of the driver's side of the car. Her mom Whoa. grabs her, pulls her in, and presses Christine's foot down on the gas. So the car takes off. They leave the thing behind in the dirt. Um, about twenty minutes later, they get home. They call the police and and have this report. The police are headed out there because about 20 minutes after that happened to them, some women about a quarter of a quarter of a mile away were coming home from a bridge game that they were having and a giant hairy creature jumped out in front of their car and slammed its hands on the hood of their car and dented the whole hood of their car and then disappeared off into the forest. So that led to what you were talking about, the monster posse. Um, This spreads out into you know, 1,500, 2,000 people combing the woods of Monroe, Michigan for a couple weeks trying to find this monster that was seen by, you know, Christine Van Acker, her mom, and these women. Uh, But the problem is there's a large portion of that forest which is cordoned off and and secured away from everybody because there's an atomic power plant there. And so you can only go so far before you can't go onto the property of the atomic power plant. Oh, so God, people this. have speculated that the there's an atomic Bigfoot out there. So good. Does what? it glow? Does the atomic Bigfoot glow in <laughs> the dark? Of course it glows, Michael. Come on. Come on. It, it does not glow. But if you oh. look on, if you're, if you, you or any of your listeners, if you look online, if you look up like Monroe monster, Christine Van Acker, you will actually see the picture from the newspaper where she has her black eye uh, from where it reached in and, and grabbed her. Oh that was my God. next question. So there's like she's got physical, you know, wounds that the car is dented. So we there's there's a, you know, physical evidence to this encounter. It, but what do you what, what what do you make of that? Like what what could this have been? So it's one of the rare oh my Bigfoot God, attacks. This is great. I'm putting it's this one in of the, the rare chat. like Bigfoot attacks. But what's funny right. is, of course, the way that you know the police are investigating the stuff. A couple weeks goes by, and mm-hmm. they finally release their final report, which was it was probably a man wearing a woman's fur coat. Okay, <laughs> please come on. <laughs> All right. All right. And there ends like and, and what's really interesting. I was actually talking uh, to. Um, Cliff Barackman about this because Christine Van Acker, the girl involved in the case, is still alive. She was, oh, you know, wow. 1765 when it happened. She's oh, never yeah. been on a documentary. No one's ever talked to her like on camera. We gotta and gotten get her, her on BCC. We gotta get this story. Her grandson has gone on YouTube before and talked about how his grandma was attacked by Bigfoot. Like, oh wow. She's she's there. She's waiting. Wow. Does she and you've never talk about her? Yeah. No, you know, she is hard to get a hold of. She's there. I mean, you can find her on Facebook. She's got a Facebook page. Um, but she's, you know, it happened to her when she was young and 
Sure. I did a lecture one time and actually had a heckler in the middle of it scream at me, an older gentleman, that he he was like, I was the guy in the fur coat. Oh, and okay, I was buddy. like, oh, and so I just asked him a couple of quick questions about the case. And of course, he didn't know anything about the case. He was just, I had mentioned that there had been a fur coat was the resolve. And so he had had enough drinks to where he thought, well, this is my moment to shine. <laughs> it, you know, this is so funny. Like, so I'm, I'm in a group text chat with, well, a, a few different Bigfoot group text chats, uh, but one of them, probably one too many, uh, but one of them <laughs> happens to be with the... Uh, the people from uh, Expedition Bigfoot, and it's funny. Maria Mayer sent me sent me this the other day. This comes from uh, Patica in a bizarre turn of events. A McCracken County man. Does anybody know where that is? McCracken County, Patica. Anyway, mm-hmm. McCracken County man claims that he suffered a head injury during an encounter with Bigfoot. Zach Lancaster, twenty four of Patica, says Kentucky, he was out. Kentucky, Paducah. Kentucky, okay, Paducah. That's it. Says he was out hiking in the woods near High Point when he suddenly stumbled upon the elusive creature. "Quote: I was just minding my own business, enjoying a nice hike in the forest, when all of a sudden, this giant hairy monster jumped out at me." End quote. Lancaster recounted, quote, I tried to run away, but it was too fast. It hit me in the head with its massive fist, and I blacked out. End quote. Lancaster claimed that he woke up hours later dazed and confused with a huge lump on his head. And I have a picture, which I'll show you. Quote, I knew right away that I had been attacked by Bigfoot, he said. I mean, who else could it have been? Lancaster reported the incident to the McCracken County Sheriff's Department, who immediately launched an investigation. Quote, judging by the size of the wound on the man's head, there's only one reasonable explanation, says Deputy Johnny Drake uh, with the MSCSD. Uh, Without a doubt, it must have been a Sasquatch that attacked attacked this man. This is a developing story. I love that uh, Johnny Drake is so sure. But look at this. uh, Look at the knot on that guy's head. Whoa. That I is. Mean, did crazy. he see a doctor? That's that wild. That does not look good. Yeah. But uh, that was so synchronicitous. I mean, uh, getting getting hit in the head by a Bigfoot. Uh, there are those Bigfoot? stories out there. What's up with Bigfoot just jumping out of nowhere and sucker, sucker punching, punching people? <laughs> Why it, we're at this point in 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 television and reality shows, and no one has done a Bigfoot attacks documentary? I mean, come on, it's just sitting there. It's yeah. waiting. Man. You got to get that over to the Tooth and Claw Boys. Have them read that article. <clears throat> Jeez, Atomic Bigfoot. I love it. What What's your take on the Michigan Dog Man? Did Did you know? Is this a tulpa situation where something that started out as a joke became real? Uh, is Bigfoot this evolving? Ra- what is it? Well, you know, it's one of those. Now. I think we've talked about it before. I think it's one of those things. I think there probably is some type of upright canine. In the general area, I mean, Wisconsin and Michigan are basically connected through the Upper Peninsula, right? Like it's not yeah. that that much of a swim. Um, but you know, you have Dogman in Michigan and in Northern Ohio, Dogman in Wisconsin. It's like this general area where people spot a, an upright canine. Mm. I, but it's it's one of those things, though, right? Because it's it's based on perspective. Like if I'm looking for Dogman and I see a hairy thing in the woods, I'm going to say I found Dogman. But if I only know about Bigfoot and see an upright hairy thing in the woods, I'm going to say it was Bigfoot. So right. who knows how many times people have saw Dogman and we're just calling it Bigfoot. Right. Yeah. I also like the theory that Dogman is Bigfoot wearing wolf furs. Oh, I like that one too. 
Yeah. But I mean, I've investigated dog man cases in Michigan and the thing about dog man cases in Michigan is they are far more bizarre than like, uh, near Alpena, Michigan in Northern Michigan. I investigated a dog man case where a dog man was leaning a a lower peninsula, but Northern Michigan, uh, on the opposite side of where Interlochen is. Okay. Uh, but the dog man was leaning against a fence, like with one of his arms resting on the top of the fence, and he was smoking. Wow. <laughs> That's a cool dude, dog. And when, the, and, and when the farmer went to approach him, he had to come across the field to get to him. This thing flipped backwards over the fence and then took off into the woods. Whoa. That's like a that's like the wolf guy from the Tex Avery cartoons. That's like a That's cool. Was he wearing a zoot suit as well? He said that it looked like a coyote smoking. I just Whoa. imagine that last drag was like and then yeah. <laughs> over the fence. But then you have dogman encounters too, like in Defiance, Ohio, right? Where there a couple of guys were attacked on a railroad. That's in northern Ohio. But the, a couple mm-hmm. of guys were attacked on a railroad by a dogman. But they described the dogman more like Wolfman. They said he had on like a flannel ripped shirt and half ripped yeah. jeans. And that that Defiance case went on for a couple of weeks with people seeing you know, a, a, a more wolf man than dog man. Wild. God, so strange. Yeah. And then, and, go ahead. No, 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 go, please. No, 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 go. I was just going to say, there are stories, aren't there stories too of like Bigfoot creatures wearing clothing? I feel like that's also a phenomenon. Yeah. So I was just going to, I was going to go from atomic Bigfoot to big toe in Michigan. So in Michigan in the 1970s, there were these, the first report was from these guys called the Anterton, Anterton brothers. Uh, in the 1970s, they were hunting and they were up in a tree blind. They were deer hunting and they got woken up by what they thought was a loud thunder crack. And they looked down and kind of illuminated in the moonlight because they, they were in an area that had been cleared so they could hunt for deer. Uh, when they looked down, they could see a giant hairy creature that seemed to have on like armbands. What? Whoa! Yeah, like like, like an like, old timey bartender, like silver armbands up its arms, but it was fully hairy creature. But they could see the silver armbands kind of reflecting in the moonlight. Whoa! And then they noticed that it also had it like these silver bands like beneath its knees to like where its feet would be so it had like these silver bands on and then they didn't know what it was they thought they when they first reported it, they thought it was like a big they reported it as a big hippie right it was a, <laughs> 70s. coming back from jazz class yeah yeah it's kind of like aerobics bigfoot <laughs> <laughs> so as they were watching it there was um where they thought again they thought that like lightning had struck there was this huge pop and flash and then they couldn't see it anymore there as when their night vision kind of came back it wasn't there anymore and in the morning they went down and they found footprints that were 15 to 17 inches but it looked as if the where where the five toes would be was one toe and then there was an extremely big big toe Mm, so they couldn't so two-toed 
So yeah, two, two toed. Like uh, like like when okay, yeah, got it. Like when you're if you're wearing socks in sand in uh flip flops, it's gonna make yes. that kind of shit. Which you don't you know don't do that. But you know <laughs> that that look weird. I really weird. want to attempt a drawing. <laughs> so that's like I when I always think about big bigfoot wearing clothes, like I think about those silver armbands. Yeah, go. yeah, 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 for sure. Beautiful illustration, Bryce. Yes, perfect illustration. Good job, Bryce. Very detailed, highly <laughs> detailed. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's so strange because again, you have some guys right that are just out to deer hunt. They don't mm-hmm. want to see a silver band, two toed, big toe creature in the woods. Right. No. And so, you know, of course people went out after they reported it. I think it was in the grayling news that they reported it. And so people in grayling, Michigan, which is lower peninsula, but still North, um, went out and looked for it. And I think there was one other sighting of something strange, uh, that was similar to the big toe prints, but like then no one ever saw it, uh, but those two guys. God, man, that's weird. I, I, I don't know what to make of these like big hairy monsters that also seem to be so sci-fi at the same yeah. time. You know what I mean? Like <clears throat> the weird silvery or like green jumpsuit stuff of like the grinning man that was happening. You know, there's it does seem to be a wave of like or like the checkered pattern suit of like the Eggmen standing at the side of the road. I think in the uh, Zeffirelli was it the Zeffirelli alien case? Like there is this precedent in these stories of like creatures wearing weird costumes, and you get you get it's like at a certain point this is a hat on a hat, right? So what's <laughs> what is the logic, but like behind a smoking dogman, behind a Bigfoot wearing like perhaps parts parts of armor? Like what what, what are we doing here? Yeah, I mean, I think that's one of the things that I've, you know, as when I first started researching, like, sure, aliens and Bigfoot and ghosts, like, it's all super interesting. But then, like you said, like, what really starts to fascinate me is, okay, here's this weird thing, and here's the weirder thing about the weird thing. Right. Yeah. It, it just right. throws a monkey wrench into any sort of working theory that you may have. You know, it, you you understand right away why an organization like the BFRO like just omits anything that's outside the parameters of just your standard Bigfoot sighting. It's got to have five toes. It's got to be big and hairy, and and that's it. You know what I mean? <laughs> no we don't want to fuck. We don't know armbands, no cigarettes, no hats. You know, we don't want to know shit about anything else. And I get that sometimes. It's like. You know, because it's hard enough trying to figure out just what the hell is going on out there. But when you start adding like s- smoking dogmen and jazzer sized Bigfoots, you're, you're just <laughs> from the get go, you know? Yeah. But it's not, but, but it's happening. And that's, and that's what, like, what grabs, grabs you, John. That's what grabs me too, is that just alludes to a larger mystery at play. But is it, I mean, you know, I, I'm sure we all think about stuff like that. Like, is it a way that the, like as more and more people, let's say throughout the sixties and seventies, like more and more people start to get interested in Bigfoot, Bigfoot books, books start to come out, Bigfoot's being talked about, like some larger aspect of the phenomena is like, okay, like we've got to chill these people out. And the only way mm-hmm. we can do that is making them all look crazy. Right. So let's give them a Bigfoot that has silver armbands and silver leg bands. 
Yeah, it's like AI trying to write a really great uh, script with twists and turns right at the right spot. It's gonna miss. It's gonna miss it. It's gonna mess it up, and it's gonna and it's gonna seem almost inorganic some way. And yeah, I love that idea that this that this phenomenon is like is interpreting how we think things might want to look, and so it's playing around with different ideas. and And every now and then, it just gets it way wrong, you know. Uh, but then and there's then also the building the old school, you know. There's the building on that idea, though, that it's it, that it's intentionally doing so, you know, to to throw to throw everyone off the scent, you know. So it's like sure. There's the question there too: is is it is it a is it a mistake or is it a a camouflage in a way? Yeah, right. Well, and that's I think you know I've talked about this with a lot during my lectures and I've talked about it for years and years with different friends who are investigators and researchers, which is, you know, there is a part of the phenomena. It, it's actually hearkening back to what we were talking about earlier. Like there is a part of the phenomena that wants you to get lost yeah, and, and, mm -hmm. and move off of the trail. Like when you start to like really obsess over one case, you know, and then you start to see it, uh, it synchronizes with everything that I'm doing and everything is and that's where you are. It's gotten you off the trail. Yeah. Like you still haven't answered your original question. Now you're onto a completely different question. You can only think about that other question. You're seeing that other question everywhere you go and you've lost sight of the, the, you know, you're, uh, I talk about it. You, I've said it to you guys on the show all the time. Like you get wrapped up in the tentacle and you miss the octopus. Yeah, hmm. that, like that sounds a lot to me like what happened in the Betty Andreessen case, which we covered on a deep dive last spring, like starts off with a pretty like very bizarre, but like uh, an alien abduction case that you can hold in your hand and you can point to some of the weirder aspects of high strangeness to it. Turn you know, even into the alien realm that she allegedly went into. But then as you keep hearing about more and more of her experiences, they get more bizarre and more dreamlike and less like the original experience that she had. It's almost like, you know, okay, the first movie was really good and made a lot of sense. And now we're on the seventh movie. And I don't even know what the writers are doing here anymore. Like this is not, it's become like a completely different franchise. I don't get it. Um, it's like Jaws but, 3 where you're like, just move. Like the shark like, is like <laughs> terrorizing people in or, the neighborhood. You know? The, like, you're like, wait, now, now, now the shark, now this shark knows the family that killed the other shark right. and he's right. like coming after them personally. But right. the 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 other thing that happened, so John, I think too, obviously, as as you're describing the phenomenon kind of maybe throwing us off the path or intentionally giving us these new ideas or new bizarre things. There's this other thing that's happening in mass culture where we are also simultaneously all agreeing on, okay, here's what these things look like, right? A Bigfoot looks like this. It's seven feet mm. tall. It's, you know, 700 pounds. It's big, hairy. It looks like Harry from Harry and the Hendersons. An alien looks like an alien gray. That's what an alien is. You know, UFOs look like this. Ghosts are transparent people that float above the floor. So we're also collectively coming up with these definitions of what these things are. And sometimes... I, I maybe maybe the phenomenon is being like no 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 just don't you guys don't get to as as a mass culture stop trying to define this thing as one one thing you know or I mean 
Or since we've all agreed what these things are, ghosts are transparent people and aliens look like this and Bigfoot's a big hairy creature, like, does it feel freer now exposing itself to certain individuals Mm. who don't think in that manner? And then those people sound crazy to us when in actuality, that's more what it looks like than what we've all agreed on what it looks like. I mean, if you think about, Uh, think about it, think about Bigfoot in the sense, right? Like the original Bigfoot stories that we have or large hairy man creature stories, right? Mm -hmm. They are traditionally, you know, whether it's the original inhabitants of North America or in Europe, Bigfoot is the green man. He's a nature spirit, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, and now we've all agreed that it's a big primate. Yeah, right. but he was like a man with a beard with like a laurel crown of leaves around his head and like a yeah, staff who, who came and, from a different dimension, a spiritual yeah. dimension that wasn't ours. And you and know, then, he's got, you know, he's got a oddly shaped uncircumcised hairy penis because they're in all the old drawings. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> looks like a sea cucumber. Yeah, you know, like but now cube. we've all agreed yeah. that it's like a big hairy ape like thing, right? Right. So mm-hmm. that original thing that it was doesn't have to worry anymore like it because we're all focused on seeing it something something else as it right okay like you didn't see a bigfoot that's crazy i know what a bigfoot looks like right well well, let's take that and run with it why why would it worry why would why would this thing worry about us seeing it or because these we can all agree that at least when it comes to bigfoot stories it seems like this thing wants to remain Hidden aliens seem to want to announce themselves here and there, but Bigfoot, unless he's sucker punching an innocent, you know, hiker, seems to want to be elusive. So, what are they worried about? Seems like we should be worried. I mean, you know, in the easiest sense, if like what a great camouflage, like we always talk about, like Bigfoot is the greatest, like, hide and seek champion, right? Like, there's that joke that it can stay mm-hmm. hidden. Well, like, what a good trick into making us think it's this giant hairy ape when it's something completely else. Now Mm. we've all focused and we're all looking for Bigfoot tracks and we're missing this other crazy thing that's happening because we're all looking for the big hominid that's walking around the forest. Yeah, Like, it's effectively completely hidden itself from everyone on the planet because it's made us all think it's a giant hairy upright primate. Right. I like that. I like that a lot. I mean, it's a house of mirrors, you know, uh. Yeah, and, and meanwhile, we're really missing uh, the the crux of what's taking place and how and why it matters to us as as a human species. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. We're also focused on finding and capturing and proving. When when meanwhile, maybe maybe we should be looking elsewhere and exploring. You know, why are people seeing these things? Not not what they are seeing, but you know, what's the purpose behind it all? You know. And, you know, I've, I've said this in lectures and I've said it before, and I will continue probably to say it for years, which is like part of the reason that any of these things might exist is just to generate conversations about existence and the nature mm-hmm. of reality. I love that. Like it, it, it may just be a mechanism that the phenomena, the universe has manifested as a way to get us to talk to each other. Cause it's like, you guys, that you actually don't do good alone. Son like I need to, I, bitch, <laughs> we're playing right into its hands. Right, yeah, yeah. Right. Totally. Like, uh, and then, you know, if, if I look at like how crazy stuff got when we were all quarantined, like I was getting tons of crazy stories and it's as if the phenomenon I was saying like, yeah, like I was saying, you guys don't do good alone. Like I'm going to give you a lot of stuff to talk about to each other. You need to wow. talk to each other. 
Mm-hmm. I like that. I'm just one big conversation starter, you guys. That's all <laughs> I am. Yeah. If, I mean, if you look at some, like, how do you get someone like with the background, whether, you know, he's from Europe or whatever, but how do you get someone like George Adamski, who's, you know, working at a hamburger shop at Mount Palomar Observatory? How do you get him to talk to a farmer like Buck Nelson? Like, they don't have anything in common. Right. They got no reason to talk. But all of a sudden they have this shared experience that they both say that they've seen people from space and now mm. they're talking to each other and now huge groups of people are listening to them. And all of a sudden, like it's, it, it really does seem like some sort of mechanism. Yeah, wow. most definitely. Does that then seem like it roots from consciousness itself? Like, and, and that sort of like the root of what makes us become aware and needing to engage with each other to survive or like, you know, does that have the, a similar route logically? I think so. Probably. I mean, I think that there's probably some, you know, a, a nice thought is that, you know, we are all interconnected on some consciousness level. Like our minds are all somewhere else existing with each other right. and we know we're together there. And then we see ourselves as individuals on this planet and we're like, but I still need to connect to that other person over there. What can happen? And so then our collective minds are like, make that guy see a Bigfoot with silver armbands. <laughs> right. Because, yeah. because, because 40 years later, it's going to make these four guys talk to each other. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's crazy. what a weird, yeah. Weird ripple effect. Yeah. So John, before we say good night, any other favorite, big hairy monster story whether michigan related or 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 just in the annals of high strangeness that that you like um so yeah i mean i always since it's high strangeness and whatever but um ufo warning which is a book that was put out by uh gray barker yeah oh wow Mm -hmm. and in that uh it's a guy named John Stewart who was from Australia who saw UFOs who had some encounters with MIBs. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in that story, he relates when he sees the creature from the saucers, which he describes as nine foot tall, short stubby legs with like duck's feet, <laughs> long spindly arms, wow. and a grotesque like rounded head with a mouthful of teeth. Whoa. <laughs> Like a platypus and, man with no and bill. For some, and for some reason, that creature heightens, whenever it's around, it heightens like um, a person's uh, sex, sex drive. I love oh. it. <laughs> Do I make you horny, baby? <laughs> <laughs> or spindly arms. Yeah, nine-foot spindle-armed <laughs> duck-footed monster. Do I make you horny? <laughs> what What does he call? Do you, does he have a name for these entities? Just, nope, not at yeah. all. Just the creature from the craft. But if anybody gets a chance to look it up, whether it's a real story or not, it's oh, Gray man. Barker, so you've got to yeah. like, Right. throw some caution to the wind but find a copy you can probably find a pdf copy on UFO, 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 UFO warning UFO warning by John okay. Stewart published title, by Saucerian okay. Press and there's a great yeah. picture by uh Gene Duplanter I don't know if you know who Gene Duplanter is Gene Duplanter is the guy who kind of first made that really iconic image of Mothman the just solid black with the big pie eyes oh, that's okay, a Gene Duplanter that's sure. Gene Duplanter's drawing, and and oh, he draws cool. John Stewart's uh, 
monster. Do you want to see a picture of the monster? Yeah, send yeah. Yeah. in the chat. I'm Googling uh, him. Yeah, Spacecraft News. Oh, God, this is great. Again, for the second so time. The- oh, my God. I love oh, that this. qualifies <laughs> as a big, hairy monster. And he does make me horny. Look at his reaching out to this I'm couple. getting a little turned on right now. <laughs> That's, That's sort of what my body is evolving into as I age, honestly. It's a little bit of a fair warning for me. That's when Bigfoot just doesn't give a fuck anymore either. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. these are my real legs. My real yeah. legs. Duck feet. What are you going to do? Fuck yeah. off. My, my legs and arms stay skinny. My middle gets round. That's how it goes. And how many times have Bigfooters walked past giant duck tracks and never even thought about it? Oh, right. There you oh, go. God. Funny. Holy cow. That's well, Tenny, wild. thank you so much for joining us. Uh, I mean, we can't go a summer without uh, without no, one man. of these conversations. Mm-hmm. You're you're just the best. You're an endless wealth of information. Uh, where can people find your stuff? Uh, they can listen to my podcast. I do my friend Jessica. What's up, weirdo? It's on. We gotta all the... get Jessica on the show. She's got to come. Come be a be oh, on. My BCC. goodness gracious! Please don't do that to anyone. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's available on all the streaming services, and then uh, weirdlectures.com has uh, an events page of every place that I'll be appearing. I'll be at Belvoir Winery in a couple of weeks, and then Mackinac yeah, when Island. Is that, when is that happening as of this recording? This episode will will go up in mid-June. When are you going? You're going out to Liberty, right? Back out to Liberty, yeah. Missouri? Yeah, so that'll be over by that time. Okay. Um, but in August, I'll be at Michigan Paracon, which is in the Upper Peninsula. And then I think in October is Mackinac Island in Michigan, which is always Ooh. a good haunting time. Lots of good ghosts and UFOs up on Mackinac oh, Island. Maybe we should Man. get up to Mackinac. I haven't been to Mackinac in 25 years. That's a cool, cool spot. Awesome, man. Well, uh, we love you, John. Thank you for being part of the show. As always, we, you'll be back. We're not letting you go anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. We always um, so appreciate your perspective. And uh, no, no, thanks for having me and letting me babble. Man. And you know, oh, no, it's the best. Love it. Atomic Bigfoot. We found the name of this episode, so that's perfect. <laughs> awesome, brother. Thank you so much. Thank you. Boy, oh boy, I sure love that man. I mean, it sounds like people don't realize that he's he's gone now. We were, we're not talking about him in front of him, but what a great guy. What great stories. So, national so much treasure. Fun. Truly. Truly. Yes. Yes. A goddamn national treasure. Damn yeah. Yes. Well, in, we've got at least two other episodes with John, maybe three. He was on a live stream show. So make sure, you know, you never know who's going to pop up on our live stream show. So make sure you join us on uh, June 24th on Popsy Lounge. And don't forget to follow us on Spotify, Apple, or your favorite podcast app so you never miss a single episode. We want to hear from you. Please rate and review while you're on your favorite app. And if you drop us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, we might read it on the show like this one. This is from Seeking Soul 33. The title is Join the Other Side. Oh, shit. The Patreon is worth it and so much more. You don't know what you're missing. Five stars. That's a double. That's a double five right. stars wow. right there. Yeah, from Seeking five Soul. stars. Woo. I love Seeking it. Soul doing doing our job for us because I was going to say <laughs> if you're caught up on the show and you want more BCC, you got to check out our Patreon. BCC the other side where you can unlock three bonus episodes every month plus our entire episode library over there. You can upgrade to Riley's Cosmic Tier and unlock three additional BCC soundtracks. Mm-hmm. It's all over at Patreon.com/slash Bigfoot Collectors Club and 
We're going to give a big shout out and thanks to Seeking Soul, but we are also going to give some Patreon shout outs to some other people who have joined the other side uh, recently. Get ready, boys. We're thanking Allison. Thanks, Allison. Rochelle Ayers. Thank you. Jesse Jester. Thanks, Jesse. Melly Trumbo, Cosmeteer. Thank you and welcome. Brian Ince, Cosmeteer. Thank you, Brian. Welcome. Mix Kens. What's up, Mix Kens? Michael Orsery, Cosmeteer. Michael, thank you. Welcome. Matthew Cagle. Thank you, Matthew. John McEdward, Cosmeteer. Thanks, John. Welcome. Sergeant D. Thorne, 1862, Cosmeteer. Salute to you, Sergeant. Welcome. And Monica So, Cosmeteer. Oh, my God. So many Cosmeteers. Thanks, Monica. Welcome. Yep. Be sure to follow us on Instagram, Epic Foot Collectors Club, and on TikTok at BCC Pod. Don't forget about the Clubhouse live stream on June 24th on popsylounge.com. Come see us at RTX in Austin, July 7th through 9th. And uh, if you're over on Instagram, why don't you give me a follow at McMills. Bryce, Riley, what do you boys have? Yeah, hit me up on those socials. I'm on Instagram at Mr. Bryce Johnson and at Twitter at Bryce O. Johnson. Follow our Instagram at Bigfoot Collectors Club. Uh, that's a good one. It's another side of the show. And if you if you can travel uh, via car, via plane, come see us in Austin on July 7th, 8th, and 9th. We're going to be there. We want to hang with you. Yeah, I am so excited for Austin. I just, it's been a while since the boys got our our, our show back yeah. out on we the road. We need a summer yeah. field trip in this We really yeah, do. Form. Yep. Yes. Yeah. Um, anyways, you can follow me on Instagram. I'm Peace Drone. And yeah, I mean, check out the live stream. They're a lot of fun. Check out the Cosmic Tier. That's a lot of fun. I mean, we're having a lot of fun. Join the other side and uh, have fun do. with us. And stay tuned. Riley's been playing a lot of live shows. So uh, make sure you're mm-hmm. following him to stay post. He's got multiple bands where you get to go see him live. Sometimes looking gorgeous in a pink princess dress. So you mm-hmm. don't Yeah, we're going to go see him tomorrow night. Yeah. Yeah, right. you are. It's too late for you guys, but it's it's in the future for us. Uh, One last (laughs) thanks to John E.L. Tenney. We will see you back here next Wednesday for an all-new episode of BCC. Until then, good night. And go get regressed. Big Harry Summer. Horny platypus foot spin the arm monster. Thank you, Horny. Bigfoot Collectors Club is executive produced by Michael McMillan, Riley Bray, and Bryce Johnson. Our show is engineered, produced, and scored by Riley Bray. Our theme song, Come Alone, is by Sun Eaters. Follow them on Spotify. Want more BCC? For exclusive full-length episodes every month and total access to the other side, check out patreon.com slash bigfootcollectorsclub. Hey guys, Heather Ashley here, host of the Big Mad True Crime Podcast. If you're looking for a true crime podcast with all of the details and none of the small talk, you have found your people. Each week, we dive deep into a new case and learn everything there is to know, from getting to know the victim and the impact their cases had on those around them, to the investigation into what happened to them and who is or might be responsible. And if the bad guy looks like he might drink whiskey by a dumpster or has the social skills of an ogre, we say it because we were all thinking it anyway. 
As the name suggests, we get big mad over true crime, and I would love to have you join our incredible community of listeners with big hearts and zero time for small talk. Subscribe to Big Mad True Crime anywhere you listen to podcasts and listen to new episodes every single Monday. Hey, this is Eric Malinsky, host of the podcast Imaginary Worlds. Each episode, I explore different sci-fi fantasy genres, talking with filmmakers, novelists, game designers, cosplayers, comic book artists, and anyone who works in the field of make-believe. I also look at the fan experience, asking, why do we suspend our disbelief? You can subscribe to Imaginary Worlds wherever you get your podcasts.